0: Hello, let's go for a ride. Here we are, ninth story. (laughs) Welcome to the ninth story. Once upon a time, in a land far, far away, lived a giant, a mouse, and two chimps on a port. One day, the first chimp said to the other, We should miss Today on the Ninth Story Podcast, I have a special guest in the studio, my normal co-host, absent today, traveling the country. So in the studio today, we have Miss Melanie Friedrich. Hello. So you've been doing a little bit of traveling around from show to show. You were visiting with the Caveman Mafia, and then you were over with Dr. Towers.
1: Yes, I was. How'd that go? I was the first girl ever on the Caveman Mafia, which I'm very proud of. Is that right? Yeah.
0: Did they do something special for you?
1: No. But I got a little bit of feedback from the Facebook audience about, don't let a girl on the show. No, no, no. I'm like, but I'm cool.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, those guys are, I guess they were just concerned for you because those guys can get a little, uh, what's the word? Dirty sometimes.
1: Yeah. If I can't hang with dirty boys, then I need to hang it up.
0: (laughs) So when are you going to be producing your own fantastic show? Do you have any ideas for that?
1: I I have some ideas. I essentially think it would be fantastic to do some sort of game night where it's more of like the book of questions, where you just sit around and ask each other thought-provoking questions, or would you rather, or I have never kind of.
0: Games. Oh, okay. So so this is like a uh, a drinking game then.
1: Oh, that would that would certainly add a an extra fun element to it if I was a drinker, but.
0: So tell me about your job.
1: Yeah, I work at a hospital. I work in the surgical processing department, which means we get everything directly from the operating room and we clean mm. it and then we reassemble it and sterilize it to just send it right back and
0: So do you take it back into them when they're when it's clean? Yep. So when you go in, do you say, Bone saw's ready?
1: <laughs> no, you're a little less conspicuous. <laughs>
0: Here comes the foot cutter.
1: Especially when there's a patient on the table, or you know,
0: are they well? Are they awake at the time?
1: It varies. Yeah. Sometimes they've just wheeled them in, and they're calling for something else that wasn't included.
0: So, what, what is the what is the politically correct surgical term? The non-make the patient get nervous term for hey, give me that thing that I can use to chop their foot off with.
1: <laughs> I don't think there is one.
0: Tray number five, please. If
1: you're getting something amputated. I'm assuming you know about it before you're heading into the OR. Uh, Unless you're in some horrific car accident or something, and then... Surprise! Surprise, you wake up with no limb. But for the most part, if it's a scheduled surgery, you're going to know that they're cutting your leg off. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> With the amputation knife. That's right. And the, uh, you know, accompanying amputation tray.
0: Uh, doc, all I wanted was a little tummy tuck. <laughs> well, we took the leg, too. What the hell?
1: I just had an ingrown toenail. That's
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> it was just a mole. <laughs> yeah, that the root of that mole traveled all the way up through your leg and into your side. Yeah. Uh, we had to take the leg. Sorry, buddy.
1: Apparently, that does happen. It's kind of scary. Really? Yeah. With, like, skin cancer kind of deals.
0: Oh. I... I So there's like, you mean you have like a a mole that like travels all the way through your body?
1: Yeah. It spreads so fast that they can't sort of contain it. It happened to my mom's friend. Wow. She had one that they have to now excise down to her muscle. Holy cow! Yeah, that
0: sounds horrible.
1: That's <laughs> way to start this off on really
0: wow. As Here's I me being silly. No, that's actually a real thing, and it's yeah. very serious, and lots of people have it. And you're an asshole.
1: No, I <laughs> as I laugh about it, but I mean it's, it's.
0: So speaking of medical things, you managed to find a delightful list of reasons why. People get committed to mental institutions. This is what circa 1864, I believe.
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty old school. It's a, it's a gem. Um.
0: <clears throat> and, and I and I actually managed to find a a version of this list that's slightly longer. There's 125 reasons. I don't think we have enough time to go through 125 of them, but we'll pick some of the ones that look the most interesting. And I'll put a link in the show notes to the rest. So why don't you pick one off the list? Okay,
1: my I think my favorite one on this list is the imaginary female trouble.
0: (laughs) Imaginary. Yes, I see that. Imaginary female trouble. Now, is that like um, I got 99 problems and the bitch ain't one? Or do you think that that's referring to actual female trouble?
1: I think that it's a lot of this list is geared towards women and how we can basically get them in trouble. Yes. And we don't like them and we don't know anything about how that female business works. <laughs> So, I know from personal experience, I have one or two days a month that I call the PMS tsunami. And I'm assuming this is related to...
0: See, now we have something for the female listeners to identify with.
1: Imaginary female trouble. I just cried in my car for no reason.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I do that all the time and I'm not even a girl. I
1: was driving to work one day, listening to somebody else talk, like somebody on the radio talk about their wedding. And literally, I started (laughs) to cry. Yeah. And I'm like... Wait, let me check my calendar. (laughs) Oh, okay.
0: You have imaginary female troubles.
1: I'm a lunatic, and this is why. Awesome.
0: That's tremendous.
1: It's, it's, It's awful. Every once in a while, I get that real, I hate the world feeling i i'm a bitch for no reason i will warn you ahead of time do not engage me unless do not engage you, unless you want the, Back most, off, pal. the most evil person you've ever met to talk to you today my face usually says it all because i I'm, i don't have a poker face i'm not good at hiding.
0: so today's a good day obviously <laughs> yeah. right
1: i'm not really good at hiding when i want to stab you in the eye <laughs> <laughs> i'm not good at it like I'm
0: just checking to make sure i don't have any sharp instruments around <laughs>
1: Yeah. So uh, I'm assuming this has something to do with that.
0: Well, I'll tell you about an imaginary female trouble. Um, This is many years ago when I lived in Arizona. And one of my neighbors, I think she was probably in her 60s, late 60s, early 70s. She was an older woman. And she had a gentleman caller <laughs> parmore whatever you want to call him uh it probably in his late 40s early 50s
1: ah oh, so she was a cougar she was a cougar
0: she was like she was an old cougar she
1: was ahead of her time she was
0: a toothless cougar but <laughs> yeah. she was still a cougar <laughs> so wrong anyway well maybe that's you know well, hey you never know anyway I've,
1: I've had many offers from younger dudes on like my online dating is that adventures. Right? Oh, i'm like you're just lazy <laughs>
0: So this this lady, um I, I I knew that she was insane when I came home from work one day. <laughs> and sorry. I knew when
1: you have to preface the story, I knew she was insane when.
0: Yes, this is the qualifying factor. (laughs) So our apartment was on the second floor and you come up the steps and you have doors and windows and the windows are all over people's sink. And my apartment was at the very end. So it was just a door. At any rate, I come home as I'm putting my key in the lock, glance to my left because I see movement. And there she is completely naked doing the dishes (laughs) and wearing a cowboy hat.
1: Wow, that's extra special. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I immediately vomited and entered my apartment. And the walls in this apartment were paper thin. So there were nights when we decided that we needed to turn the TV up just a little bit louder so we didn't have to hear the two of them having re- relations.
1: Knock in the booth.
0: <laughs> yeah. Whatever the euphemism is that you want to use for
1: Hey they would get a cowboy hat. Come on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Ride <Right> him cowboy. <laughs> <coughs> Anyway, at
1: least he was younger.
0: He was. He had the stamina, apparently, to get what she needed done, done.
1: Gross.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know. I'm a very visual person, too, so I can just picture this. Anyway, I don't know. So probably about three, four months later, there's all this commotion going on over there. That's even the loud TV can't take. Away.
1: Oh, wow, like like porn, sexual commotion or like... <laughs> no,
0: like somebody screaming, crying, I'm scared, call 911, oh. what's going on type of thing. And the ambulance shows up. As I say, the walls are paper thin. Long story short, essentially, she pissed herself and she thought her water broke and that the baby oh, was coming.
1: Nice.
0: So that's an imaginary female trouble. She was imagining... She had an imaginary baby. There,
1: that, that I... Okay, hands down, that went... <laughs>
0: When you say imaginary female trouble, that's the first thing that pops into my head, but that's just because I had to live through that,
1: that that's, wonderful that's experience. That's a whole other level other than just PMS crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that,
0: that is a whole other. I peed myself. Wait, that's my water broke. I got the baby.
1: That's like right up there with the, I didn't know I was pregnant.
0: Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. The funniest part of this was listening to the paramedics try to explain to her that she does not have the ability to have a baby and she's fine. And it's just urine, ma'am.
1: How how do you I just am so curious how you lose touch with reality so much (laughs) that at 60 some years old, you still think that's a possibility.
0: Yeah, (laughs) Uh, I know I had the uh, hysterectomy, but I don't know. Maybe I still (laughs) got some baby down in there. He's been hanging out waiting.
1: Oh, that's so bad. That's a whole nother level of crazy.
0: <laughs> well, in her defense, she did have this wonderful young man that she wore cowboy hats for. So, well, hey, you know, it was yeah. always within the realm of possibility in her head. I guess. You Let's start a family.
1: Dress up nice for your <laughs> your honey.
0: <laughs> that's wonderful. What else you got over there?
1: Oh. Well, there's there's several references to masturbation on this list, which is fantastic.
0: Well, that's definitely a reason to be committed. Well, yeah. Especially, especially if it's female masturbation.
1: A, a lady back in the 1860s, yes. you know, there was none of that going on. No. But they, they're sort of very either intentionally vague because, hey, let's not entrap these nice ladies. Yes. <laughs> or, you know, they're the loose women and, you know, like the prostitutes of the time. I don't know. Like any reason to lock those fools up. <laughs>
0: Why would we want to let people be happy? Lock them
1: up. Well, there's masturbation and syphilis. So well, in some way, that's that's inferring that, or
0: you can catch syphilis you're getting through syphilis masturbation. From
1: masturbation, there's masturbation. For I think that's like years. the only
0: way that you can't catch syphilis. Yeah, I'm
1: pretty sure. Like it, it kind of like they don't really go together.
0: <laughs> so, like well, uh, unless, abstaining. Unless your
1: hand was somewhere really funky. That's
0: right. Hey, can I get some syphilis? I'm going to go home and...
1: I stuck my hand in a bucket of syphilis.
0: (laughs) Whoops, I tripped on the syphilis. (laughs) Oh, that's tremendous.
1: Why are they together? It could be masturbation or syphilis. Yeah, a whole other connotation for that. But no, this is masturbation and syphilis. So at some point you had to stop having sex, I guess, and masturbate because you have syphilis. <laughs> I don't know.
0: Hey, I don't want to give syphilis to myself.
1: Right. There's also the masturbation for thirty years.
0: Is that C- or
1: consecutive? Or consecutive. <laughs> I don't know.
0: I've been masturbating for thirty years. My arm <laughs> is tired.
1: It's when you have a Popeye arm. <laughs> <laughs> that's right.
0: It's Popeye. See that's See, there's Popeye. That was his problem.
1: Yeah. Well, he that's that's the
0: only way you can get.
1: He he was ambidextrous, apparently.
0: Yes. (laughs) Well, if you're going for 30 years, you're going to have to switch off every once in a while.
1: This is a stranger.
0: (laughs) And the show has reached a new low. I told you. (laughs) So here's some of the other ones that I love. Epileptic fits. Yeah. That's a medical condition. That's I don't know that that's necessarily a reason to be committed.
1: It is, but I think back then... You
0: crazy epileptic. Stop twitching, buddy.
1: Yeah, it was one of those. (laughs) Why did you just fall on the ground and convulse?
0: (laughs) Yeah, you You were just masturbating. (laughs) What what the hell happened to you? You must
1: be possessed by the devil.
0: Yes. Death of sons in the war.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of war-related items on here also.
0: Decoyed into the army. How about this one? Deranged masturbation.
1: Right? (laughs) (laughs) The mind boggles. Like, what does that even mean? Like, is that like I, I stuck a broom up my butt? Or like, <laughs> I don't.
0: Deranged. Is, That's is it crazy. just in-
1: inclusion of foreign objects? Like, I, you know, or.
0: You You're know. masturbating with a belt sander. You're crazy. <laughs> That's deranged, friend.
1: You know, I just I just found fun tools out in the, the barn. <laughs> That's
0: right. In the barn. <laughs>
1: I don't know. Or just like something lame, like I just rubbed up against his fence post. I don't know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, some of these fit together like almost like a story. Like my son's died in the war. I was decoyed into the army, so I started doing some deranged masturbation. Then I had diphtheria, disappointed infection, disappointed love, and just disappointment.
1: There's a lot of derangement, too. I'm assuming that's just uterine derangement. Yes. (laughs) And And there's a lot of murder, rumor of husband murder shooting of daughter son's died in the war self abuse apparently that's <laughs> that's
0: another word for religious that. enthusiasm now see there's one i agree with religious enthusiasm and religious excitement <laughs> then remorse
1: well that goes along with the whole possession you know if you're too excited about your religion i don't know snuff snuff eating is <laughs> on my list <laughs>
0: Snuff eating for two years. Yeah,
1: for two years. Like it's quantifiable. If you do it less than two years, there's no problem.
0: Well, I've only been snuff eating for a year, so I think I'm okay, Doc. Well, you got a clean bow health, then. And son. then um,
1: but I wonder, is that like actually the tobacco product or is that some other term for something else?
0: Well, that could be a euphemism.
1: That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like uh, <laughs> some little lesbian action.
0: <laughs> eating some muff of snuff.
1: Uh, there you go.
0: That's right. Overstudy of religion. Yeah, parents were cousins.
1: Well, that that kind (laughs) of you know that kind of is self explanatory. I think.
0: Hello, (laughs) Jenna. But like,
1: there are some things on here. I just, I honestly just have no idea what they are. Such as bloody flux.
0: Bloody flux.
1: Scarletina. Whoa! Like uh, Uh,
0: you know, I think there's a movie out there called Bloody Flux.
1: (laughs) A really bad (laughs) eighties horror movie. Probably. But then there's like things like, okay, just laziness. Okay. I don't feel like cleaning the house today.
0: (laughs) You lazy, no good, worthless, stupid. (laughs) Bloody flux is apparently dysentery. It's an inflammatory disorder of the intestine, especially the colon (laughs) that results in severe diarrhea. See, my- No masturbation (laughs) going on there.
1: My hypothesis was that it was maybe something tuberculosis related, you know, but- no apparently it's coming out the other side
0: it's dysentery yes
1: nice bad diarrhea
0: <laughs> i got the poopies but like <laughs> time for you to go to the mental ward son
1: seriously you just to...
0: <laughs> stay off the toilet here's a mental disorder gunshot wound
1: yeah it's just it's so you random.
0: crazy goddamn gunshot victim yeah <laughs> put him away you, buddy
1: you got shot Bad company, leg band.
0: Well, the band or (laughs) just put the whole band in there. While you've been listening to Bad Company, you're obviously crazy. You're fired. Fighting fire.
1: Yeah, because who wants that? (laughs)
0: Who wants firemen? (laughs) Hey, let that house burn down, buddy. That's strange.
1: Venereal excesses.
0: Well, (laughs) that that is that like a euphemism for masturbation?
1: I I think so. I think a lot of these are
0: time of life
1: yeah like (laughs) that
0: you're too old friend
1: (laughs) you're either too old you had way too much fun i i don't know novel reading apparently
0: whoa novel reading you can't
1: read books that's bad if you're a lady i'm convinced oh if you're a lady this whole list is named at lady oh
0: well see that makes sense then we don't want ladies reading novels
1: no who wants that
0: (laughs) we also don't want nymphomaniacs
1: nope no good can come of that (laughs)
0: Men like never like women yeah. that are nymphomaniacs. That's no. That's a problem.
1: That just leads to, I'm going to steal your husband action. And, yeah. And, you know, we can't have that. <laughs> I'm going to hump everybody in town.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Ga- um,
1: gathering in the head is one of my
0: favorites. Gathering in the head. I
1: think that goes along with the, what was the one? Cerebral softening. Oh,
0: yes. Yeah, brain softening. Yeah. <laughs> You've got a brain cloud. <laughs> Wasn't that what happened at uh, just for the volcano? volcano. <laughs> You've got a brain cloud.
1: There is brain fever on here. That is a real thing.
0: <laughs> well, brain fever, yeah, but brain softening.
1: Uh, well, yeah, I guess. It, well, they.
0: Your brain's nice and soft and juicy
1: to mush. If you have uh, what encephalitis <clears throat> or More whatever. More brains.
0: <laughs> um, um.
1: Like general immoral life. Okay, you know. You're a loose woman, and we're going to put you in the insane asylum for it. <laughs> we're
0: going to put you in there with a bunch of so other women just like you.
1: Basically, anything Miley Cyrus is doing currently.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly right.
1: Is going to put you in the insane asylum.
0: <laughs> Shooting of daughter.
1: Excessive tongue sticking out.
0: <laughs> what? Did I miss that one? There's one in here, excessive tongue?
1: No, I just made that one.
0: Oh, 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 okay. I'm like, I missed another disorder that was awesome. <laughs> superstition women trouble vicious vices venereal uterine time of life the war ah here's one suppression of menses how do you suppress that you can't (laughs) (laughs) lock you up you tried to suppress your menses
1: well uh, there's medicine to prevent conception I don't know I'm assuming there was uh, because back then they were real big on like laudanum and shit and I don't know maybe it has something to do with that could be Some sort of...
0: Well, there's also suppressed masturbation. Did we cover that?
1: No, I don't think so. Suppressed. Yeah.
0: All this masturbation. You know, don't masturbate because it'll get you into the mental institution. But don't suppress it either because that will also get you into the mental institution.
1: Contradictions all over this list. (laughs) Overtaxing of mental powers.
0: (laughs) That happens to me every day. You like that one? I do. How about tobacco and masturbation?
1: Yeah. The things on here that are something in, something in. We never go together.
0: (laughs) Carbonic acid gas.
1: Which it seems like you would be a victim of that. (laughs) And it would really be out of your control.
0: (laughs) Hey. You got bad carbonic acid gas.
1: And then there's congestion of the brain. Yes. Which I'm assuming goes along with brain fever.
0: Brain fever. Female <laughs> disease. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, your baby was just born. She's got female disease. You got a girl. <laughs> Anything that's not a boy has female disease.
1: And it's like every time you, you read the list, there's something new that pops <laughs> out in
0: you. Grief.
1: I mean, I could see, okay, if you had an opium opium habit and it made you crazy. All right. You might have to go to detox and kick that habit a little bit.
0: Yeah. What is a dropsy?
1: Uh, I looked that one up, actually. It's edema.
0: Funky cold Medina?
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's It's random (laughs) swelling of...
0: Random swelling.
1: Yeah, maybe of your brain
0: or some other organs that you <laughs> might have been playing around with and for then it too long.
1: Gets you in trouble. That's
0: right. Uh, well, I developed the uh, uh, edema uh, uh, based upon my uh, masturbation.
1: <laughs> Could you imagine?
0: <laughs> Politics.
1: Yeah, that'll get you every time. Seduction. I guess that's why I stay away from it.
0: Seduction and disappointment.
1: Well, that. <laughs> Again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I seduced you, but I didn't like it because you had a small right. penis. So no. oh, now I'm disappointed That's and right. I'm going to the insane asylum.
0: Time to shoot your daughter.
1: <laughs> I fell from a horse in the war. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I fell from the horse? Because <laughs> I was specific- masturbating. But
1: specifically in the war.
0: In the war. Yeah.
1: And then you got kicked in the head by, in the by a head mule. By the horse. Ah, yes. But they're not, you know. You know One's just I fell off. Well, that's you're just a bad horse rider. <laughs> but then again, if you're dodging bullets or, you know, cannonballs in the war, eh, it might happen.
0: Well, why don't we take a break real quick? When we come back, we'll talk about a couple other things. One of the things I wanted to talk about was the preponderance of crazy characters in literature and movies. All right. All right. All right, welcome back. And we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some characters in literature and movies that had mental disorders. And this comes from crack.com, which uh, is a great site if you haven't tried out crack.com. You know, it's, it's based upon an old magazine that I used to read when I was a kid. You remember those? Yes. Because Magazines. there was Mad Magazine <laughs> and then Cracked Magazine. And I was a fan. Yeah. So they've uh, apparently gone completely the other. There is no, obviously there is no more cracked magazine and they just have this huge website with columns and they collect a lot of different information. They have some really good writers on here and you, they do this thing like a lot of websites where they have little things off to the side or in the corner in the bottom. And it's just drawing you further and further into the website.
1: It's like a tornado.
0: Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That's hilarious. <laughs> you look over to the side of this page, it's like seven investors you didn't know you wanted to punch in the face. 20 small changes that would turn great ideas into disaster. Six insane conspiracies hiding behind non-profit groups. Well,
1: <laughs> it's, and it's one of those things where you, like, you, cl- you end up clicking on everything and you have like 15 windows yes. open.
0: So we have six beloved characters that had undiagnosed mental illnesses. And I found these to be uh, fascinating. The first one was Sherlock Holmes, and they say that he has Asperger's syndrome. And... They go into some details here and, and talk about the reasons why they feel this is the case from things like he doesn't realize that this, the, the the Earth orbits the sun because it's not anything that affects normal everyday life.
1: So he's very egocentric and lives in, in his own yes. world that ends at the end of his nose kind of situation.
0: Correct. And he also doesn't um, interact well with anybody except for Watson and... There's just a lot of different things that when Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was writing Holmes, he probably didn't set out to say, okay, well, this guy's going to have Asperger's. But he was able to observe people and write a character that was similar to probably people that he knew.
1: There was no Asperger's back then either. Right. You it, know? Wasn't so it wasn't diagnosed. It was just sort of like, you know, you sort of wondered, is that something that he observed in other people or was that something about himself? I always wonder that, you know, how much of of the author is brought into any character that they write.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, whenever you're writing something as a writer, every character has parts of you in it. Well, I wouldn't say every character. I mean, there are some characters you get from the pages of the newspaper or reading something, hearing a story on television or something to that effect.
1: Well, it seems like he has had a lot of idiosyncrasies, you know, that sort of you might not glean from reading an article in the paper do you know, do you know what i mean like he seems very particular about a lot of things yes and sort of leads me to believe that either he knew someone that mm-hmm. had some of that or but then how how you you spin it because a lot of times people with mental handicap or whatever you whatever the term is
0: whatever the political term is that's well, not going to offend I, and somebody hate, these days i hate
1: to be pc about it because like like like, retardation is a real thing, you know? Right. I mean, that's a legitimate term, and I understand, like, it's fast and loose people call each other retards, whatever, but it, it originally, that was the best way to explain it, and and sort of this is off on a tangent about that, but...
0: <laughs> <laughs> we go off on lots of tangents on this show, but so that's all right.
1: Holmes has always been sort of one of my favorite yes. characters, and, and, and I think that's why, because it's like, it's okay to be weird. Right. You know, look, he excelled even as weird as he was and as... as
0: yeah, he had his idiosyncrasies yeah, and as he was strange. As his and, behavior
1: was and unacceptable to anybody else living in that time.
0: Well, I mean, that goes to a larger conversation, which is that when you're a creative person like Holmes was, or when you see the world in a different way than other people do, you don't fit into the societal norms and you're perceived as strange and odd because you see things that other people can't. And Holmes is a great demonstration of how seeing things in a different way allows you to make connections that other people can't.
1: But it's also he's charming.
0: Well, he is charming. Yes. Because
1: uh, if he was just a weirdo and it, and had all this, you know, stuff going on. Yeah. A lot of times that doesn't get you in the door. But if you're charming, and, and I hate to use the Robert Downey Jr. sort of like example, mm-hmm. but it's like, He, like, has that charisma where you sort of are okay with letting that slide because he can charm your pants off but be weird at the same time. Now, you know, growing up, you had weirdo kids in your class, and it was like— Yes, I was one of them. Well, but but do you know what I mean? Like, if you you were just weird and didn't talk—like, because I constantly get accused of being the quiet girl. In, in
0: What well, we're here today to prove that that's not the case. Well,
1: yeah, but I mean, there are situations where I don't feel comfortable and I also don't talk for the sake of talking. I, I know that's hard to believe. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Nobody but, here believes you. But in, in, People that know you probably do.
1: In certain situations, I don't feel a need to fill the silence. You know, That's
0: right, listeners. Just enjoy the silence here for about five <laughs> minutes. We're, we're done. <laughs> There's no need to fill this. But
1: I just, I don't, I, I don't. Talk for the sake of talking. There, right. No, I understand. Like there are people where like, legitimately, they will make conversation about nothing just to, just for it not to be quiet. Yes. I'm like, I know. I could go days without talking to people.
0: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm the same way. I need to actually have something to say in order to say something. So,
1: I've had people where it's like, well, you're just sitting here just sort of watching. And I'm like, yes. well, I don't have anything meaningful to contribute. So... Okay. yeah, Uh, you know, and and I've been told that I was weird and, and whatever for whatever case. But I don't I mean, I don't by any stretch of the imagination think I have some sort of mental disorder. No, I mean, I do. There are aspects of certain things that I think are relatable to everybody.
0: Here's a secret. We're all weird in our own ways. Well, most of us have just learned how to fit into society and follow the rules that society has set up.
1: But I think in the in these cases there's some definite defect, right? Brain defect, whatever that actually prevents them from recognizing that that's not acceptable.
0: You have a good point. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Points and point counterpoint.
1: Yes, that's kind of how this works.
0: So number five, <laughs> we have Ariel from Little Mermaid. Now I did co- we covered on the show earlier the Little Mermaid in the original Little Mermaid context, and that story was. We, when we covered dark fairy tales, we covered that the original versions of fairy tales and the Little Mermaid that Disney made has nothing in common with the Little Mermaid as it was originally written and told. Um, um,
1: uh, Hans Hans Christian Andersen, I think.
0: Yes. Okay. Well, where she's using the blood of the prince to. Give her her legs or give her her tail back.
1: Right. And I think this this one, I, I've read some of this stuff about this where it's actually like an anti they could they call it like an anti-feminist sort of where the man will make your life complete. Yes. And, and all you need is is
0: all you need is a man. All
1: you need is a man and your life will be great. And you're willing to what are you willing to give up? To have said, man, well, already,
0: and, and you know, it's it's funny because she's a mermaid. So wasn't there a saying about a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle or something <laughs> like that? <laughs> and apparently, she's a fish and she wants bicycles. So,
1: and it is. I mean, I, I, that sort of lends it to all fairy tales are sort of skewed, and they do send a bad message. Yes, but I think you're 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 reading into a children's story from an adult point of view. Do you know what I mean? Like as a little kid a lot of things go over your head and, and I don't like I don't necessarily agree that that's going to shape how you I mean it could I guess at some point, but I don't really believe that. I, like, at the end of the day, me watching Little Mermaid as a six-year-old is gonna.
0: Well, no. If you watch Disney's version, you're fine because it's been very um, watered down and designed for the consumption by but children. But they still
1: their argument is with that version. What do you mean? The the the.
0: Oh, correct. Yeah. Oh well, they well, just say that not she's a hoarder.
1: Theirs, but.
0: Oh. <laughs> the, their whole thing that they say that she has is hoarding because she, she oh, keeps...
1: because she likes all the humans.
0: Right. She doesn't even know what the stuff is, but she wants it. So... <laughs> they have pictures of her like holding a fork and you know she's got a pipe in her hand and she's well, found a book I, and I just
1: think that was more of her fascination with the, that's the
0: way that i interpreted it but they're being funny they're saying yeah. well she's a hoarder because she keeps all this crap she got tons of it and, and she'll never use she'll it. never use it she doesn't know what it is but she attaches emotion to it
1: hoarders is oh that show makes me so sad
0: yes it's very sad and
1: i i i I have aspects of that, which i don't I don't generally admit, but i I see how it could happen.
0: I recognize it myself too that the, the there's sentimentality and wanting to hold on to things and right. and over the last year i've I've worked pretty hard to change that because I don't think you should invest emotion in objects. I think you should and I understand the whole idea of well, you know this object reminds me of such and such, but I have a pretty good memory, so it may be someday I won't, and yeah. I'll regret it, but right now I have a pretty good memory, so I don't see the purpose of holding on to this tiny little knickknack well, that my grandmother gave me to remind me of something.
1: It usually goes to a bigger issue, though. Hoarding is more of like filling a void, than, yes. and, and, and that's where the things sort of come into play, and I, I do understand that also to an extent where it's sort of like there's something missing. So I'm going to acquire things. And I think these things will make me happy because sometimes you can't always identify.
0: Well, you know what fascinates me about hoarding is missing part of the hoarders, I guess, diagnosis or part of the problem with hoarders is they have something called clutter blindness.
1: Yeah. They don't see it.
0: They don't even notice. That to me is amazing. I guess you just get so, it must be like, you know, you don't notice the feeling of the clothing on your body because it's constantly there. Yeah. But- as soon as someone mentions it to you, you're like, oh, yeah, I can feel my shirt. But it, normally you tune that out all day long. I mean, and in, in the other thing that's weird, too, is like you're looking at the, t- the tip of your most people, unless you have a really tiny nose, most people are looking at your you're looking at your nose all day long. Like if you pay attention to it now, you'll notice yeah. that you're looking at the tip of your nose all day long, but you tune it out. Yeah. So I guess it must be it some advanced peripheral. form of that.
1: And is, I think they attribute that also to the smell. That generally comes along with it or the when you see the hoarder in there with the poop stacked up in their shower or you know what I mean? Like, I'm
0: saving like, me some turds,
1: because they, you know, they've
0: <laughs> I got a whole box of them,
1: <laughs> the non-functioning toilet with the poop all around it or like, you know what I mean? It's, it's so disgust. It's so beyond disgusting. Or like the lady that had 10 dead cats strewn um, about. Do you know what I horrible. mean? Like, I guess at some point it just becomes your normal. Yeah. And I can understand how it could get out of control.
0: It's like a little it, bit at a time. Huh?
1: Exactly. And it, it starts out as one thing like, oh, or the perceived value of something where it's not even necessarily emotional attachment. It's more the, I invested something in this to get something out of it at some point.
0: This pen's still good.
1: Exactly. Or, like, uh, there was the one where the lady had, like, 10,000 jars and Tupperware containers and and things like that. And it was, like... Wow. She was, like, a crafty collecting Uh, other things yes that she never... And and also, she ran out of space. So, she didn't Well, yeah,
0: that'll happen when you (laughs) hoard and fill your house up with poop.
1: And she would throw the dog poop in the shower. Oh. And I'm, like... Okay, flush it down the toilet. But then like she had a clean garbage can. They like it was a wastebasket sitting on the on the floor. Yeah. And she would throw garbage around it, but not in it, because that was a clean spot. And it was it's so bizarre. Like (laughs) The way that, that I, I can't wrap my
0: head around that, but I guess I'm glad I can't wrap my head around right?
1: that. Right? I mean, it, it was like, it, that's
0: something I don't want to understand. It
1: doesn't make any sense, but it was like in her mind, that was still something that was clean that she could hang on to, even <sighs> though there was a pile of trash as high as the wastebasket <laughs> around it. It's funny. And like, how do you just do it? But it's like, it, it's a very involved brain disorder.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it um bell from beauty and the beast schizoid personality disorder oh um red flags don't confuse this with schizophrenia. We're not claiming the talking monster and sentient candlesticks are figments of her imagination. Schizoid personality disorder is characterized by a long standing pattern of detachment from social relationship, and a sufferer often has difficulty expressing emotions and does so typically in very restricted range, especially when communicating with others. So, because she's a bookworm and doesn't talk to a lot of people and falls in love with the beast, she's schizoid.
1: I don't agree with that.
0: Yeah, it's a symptom of self imposed social isolation.
1: But I think she, like, giving the buffoonery of the people that, especially in the cartoon. Yes. The, like, Gaston. And if that was, (laughs) if that was, (laughs) Gaston. If that was the level of people she was dealing with, like, I'd be, I would not want to deal with those people either.
0: Yeah, I understand.
1: But then again, I am a bookworm, and
0: <laughs> yeah, and then you're a private person, and you don't like to, you know, go out and 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 party all the time, and that okay, type so of thing.
1: Okay, so I identify with that. There you go,
0: skits. That's what my there mom we used go. to. Yeah,
1: so I fixed myself skits away first.
0: You have, Bellman. yeah, exactly right. <laughs> Wow, Dan! Who knew? Uh, who knew? <laughs> who knew? <laughs> we're gonna be like those people that sit around looking through books and diagnosing ourselves. And oh, be like, I got that. I, that. I do. I have that. I have that. I do. have that.
1: Like, I have like aspects of every disorder on
0: one. Yeah, that's because we're all messed up, man. I'm gonna skip Holden Caulfield, okay. uh, and they say that he has post traumatic stress disorder. I don't think that that's a surprise based upon Can the character. I just
1: say, I hated that book in high school.
0: <laughs> I wasn't a fan in high school. I did actually, I did actually like it when I read it again years later. I took something more away from it. But when I was in high school and I was forced to read it, I didn't care for it at there all. There
1: were a lot of books I was forced to read that I, I do wonder like if I read them now. <laughs> How many do we have left? Two?
0: Two, I think, yeah. Glinda the Good Witch. Now, this one I'm going to read because I, I really like this one. She has sadistic personality disorder. She's a sadist. Glinda.
1: She has one of the best like kiss-off lines ever. she does she's like be gone or somebody else drops a house on you
0: (laughs) (laughs) so our only evidence that Glinda the good witch is good is that she bears that title and even then we don't know who bestowed it as we have pointed out before her actions in the Wizard of Oz involve dropping a house on her rival blaming it on a teenage child and then encouraging that teenager to assassinate the dead woman's last living relative (laughs) (laughs) whoever wrote this is awesome I'll have to figure out who the writer they is They have on this. some
1: really fantastic writers on here. That they, they do. They just like are sort of wordsmiths and make things just so clever. Yes,
0: I always appreciate good writing. Yeah. Throughout The Wizard of Oz, Glinda never gives any reason for murdering the witches other than that they're ugly and different, and therefore, according to the good old-fashioned dust bowl logic, completely evil. So maybe Glinda won the title of good by default simply because anyone left who had questioned her goodness ends up fertilizing those bitchy apple trees who throw things at tourists. <laughs> the red flags. Sadistic personality disorder doesn't just mean somebody is an evil dick. There are particular aspects that identify it as a disorder. For instance, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders suggests that sufferers are amused by the emotional turmoil of others. Now, keep that in mind when you watch the vague, detached smirking expression on Glinda's face throughout the string of tragedies that open the film. They have a picture here, which is awesome. It's Dorothy looking shocked and Glinda with her hand on her, on her shoulder with this smirk.
1: <laughs> like, oh, silly child.
0: Yes. Note the radically different facial expressions. One of them is appropriate.
1: And she arrives in a bubble.
0: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Don't you touch me. As soon as the Wicked Witch of the West begins mourning her dead sister, Glinda immediately starts taunting her. Glinda then takes the dead woman's slippers, the only keepsake by which the Wicked Witch might remember her sister, and forces Dorothy to wear them. The Wicked Witch even tells Dorothy, they're of no use to you, but Glinda convinces the girl never to take them off. The Good Witch is so dead set on demeaning the Wicked Witch in front of a crowd that in a weird magic pissing contest, Glinda calls the Wicked Witch's power into question and throws out the threat that somebody might drop a house on her too. (laughs) (laughs) that need to demean people in the presence of others is a primary symptom of sadistic personality disorder and glinda's unwavering enjoyment throughout the ordeal is a testament to her sickness in addition
1: well there really is no backstory for the wicked witch
0: (laughs) either of them yeah
1: well you're you're sort of just introduced to her as being evil
0: yeah what do they bathe in bathe yeah how do they bathe
1: well she doesn't she's She melts in water.
0: Yeah, so how does she stay clean? She must be stinky.
1: She's magic.
0: She's stinky. In addition... It's a glamour. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. The the disorder fuels a desire to restrict the, uh, the autonomy of others and to lie for the sole purpose of confusion. And sure enough, we find out that Glinda knows from the start how to send Dorothy home, but instead, she makes up a ridiculous quest to the wizard with no tangible gain. The fact that Glinda is the one that helps Dorothy get home in the end is almost sickening given the mortal danger she put the girl through not to mention the two deaths that are now on Dorothy's hands as a result. Yet Glinda can't stop smirking that vacant Stepford Wives smile. Not ever. <laughs> it's. I love that because, I mean, when I grew up, I was a huge fan of The Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, as you grow older and you watch it again and again and again, you get different things from it. But this is one thing I never picked up on. But, I mean, as I read through this, I mean, she does. She smirks through the whole thing. She's a complete bitch. She makes Dorothy kill two other people. Well, witches, but I guess witches are not people in this universe. So she drops a house on her. And then, but I mean, I don't know. Dorothy, is Dorothy responsible for the house dropping on the the first witch? I don't think so.
1: No, I think that was like pure coincidence slash luck.
0: Now, the second one, the second one's definitely on Dorothy's hands.
1: Where she melts yes. the wicked witch. Of the what
0: West. a world! What a world! What a world!
1: Yeah, well, and I think there's a lot of like you're dropped in in the middle of a situation.
0: But she's she look at that face. That's I, the <laughs> f- expression she has the whole. She's evil, man.
1: Well, but but
0: she's like smarmy.
1: She's she's aligned with the Munchkins, and who doesn't love a Munchkin? You know?
0: Yeah, oh, they're delicious. <laughs>
1: Little nugget. That's, that's right, Chelsea
0: Handler. <laughs> oh, you're talking about the people, yeah. the lollipop guild. Yeah, I'm talking. Yeah. I'm talking about the donuts, Dunkin' Donuts, <laughs> Munchkins. Holes.
1: But like, I guess you know you're force fed to just accept the good versus evil in that scenario. Yes. And you don't know any of the the backstory, which is which I don't know how familiar you are with the the show Wicked.
0: Uh, I'm not.
1: And also, the there's a book. It's it's well, yeah. It actually, I mean, I
0: know that that Oz was like a whole cool. series. But actually,
1: um, Wicked actually tells the the story of the witches before Dorothy ever dropped in.
0: Were they were were they good people?
1: Well, originally, the the wicked witch was a good person, and sort of due to a series of events, it
0: orchestrated it, by
1: not Glinda. Orchestrated by the wizard.
0: Ah.
1: Glinda, Glinda's sort of like a stupid pawn in the whole scenario. But, and it's kind of hard to actually watch The Wizard of Oz without like thinking that's the real backstory Yeah, for me.
0: Because you've seen this <laughs> now?
1: I've seen Wicked a few times, but it's also like, like, actually it was, it was the wizard who was orchestrating the whole thing because he didn't actually have any real power. And I'm pretty sure in even in the Wizard of Oz, he still doesn't really have no, any he, real power. He doesn't
0: actually. Everything that he he was from he was from Kansas, right? Yeah,
1: it was like a snake oil, corny yeah.
0: And he ends up there, and he's man. like, "Oh, I'm just going to con these people into believing that I'm a, a great and powerful wizard, right?" And everything that he did was based on technology, and that was, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain,
1: exactly. And that's sort of where the the whole uh, wicked story sort of picks it up is he is. Trying to like everybody likes Glinda because she's pretty and she's popular and she's this and she's that and El- and Elphaba. That's the Green Witch in Wicked. Is she is ugly and an a- outsider? Did they go to
0: high school together? Yeah. Did they?
1: Yeah. Are you kidding me? No, that's, that's the, <laughs> they go to, they go to like magic school basically. Oh, I, I
0: pictured this this nine hundred two one zero thing developing as you were des- describing it, well, this that's,
1: plot. That's, it's it's, it's kind of that's what comes into play is is Glinda's popular because she's pretty and she's bubblegum. Yeah, you know, and and Elphaba is. Uh, like She's only there because her sister wants to go to school and her sister's in a wheelchair and she has to take care of her sister. But it turns out that she actually has redeeming qualities. She has power. She ends up being the most powerful out of all of them. and
0: Glinda can't deal with that.
1: Basically. And she sort of stabs her in the back and she sides with the wizard. And then then they're sort of on opposite sides and then they're stuck. Like even though they're still friends and they still care about each other. Yeah. They've they've sort of drawn. There's a line drawn in the sand, and they neither one can take it back. So it's sort of like you see, like you end up em- empathizing with Alphaba, the Wicked Witch in the West or East or whichever one she is. Yeah, whichever. And um, so you actually end up like rooting for her because it's like you see all the shit that she had to go through, and how she's not as bad as she seems. It's more of a reactionary kind of. It's interesting
0: how just a little bit extra knowledge can completely change a character and your perception of that character. Oh,
1: absolutely. Linda does seem like a high and mighty bitch. Ha ha. I managed to get the upper hand in this situation and now I'm going to throw it in your face. Right.
0: (laughs) As a child, you don't pick up on these things, the larger picture, but she just lost her sister. Right. You know, she's going to make statements like you killed my sister. You dropped the house on her type of thing. Well, what else do we want to talk about today? We are at. I, I, I like the
1: last one that was on the list with Scarlett O'Hara because she is just a self centered, crazy person.
0: What did they say that she has? She's antisocial disorder, I think.
1: Well, she has the Mimi me, me, me disorder
0: antisocial and histrionic uh, personality uh, disorder, whatever histrionic is. It's, Maybe it's, that's the Mimi me, me, me disease.
1: It is. It's the, uh, the world revolves around me, and nobody else is more important than I am.
0: You know, I didn't read or watch Gone with the Wind, so...
1: It's like a giant soap opera. Clark Gable was, like, a huge sex symbol back then, which I... Yeah. (laughs) Really?
0: Clark Gable.
1: What what the hell were you looking at as far as dudes go? Like, there there must have been a real bottom of the barrel. (laughs) Look at you. Like, if if he was the hot dude. But it is funny because she, lit. like, she's one of those people that basically the south is burning there's a war going on and she still manages to make it all about her
0: well on that note I think we're <laughs> done for the day awesome I appreciate you coming by I hope you had a good time I did I'm sure everybody will enjoy listening to the reasons why you can get committed to mental institutions <laughs> hopefully we'll have you back again on a on show awesome for everybody else stick around past the break for a very special reading of a great demonstration of insanity Dave yes you know it's the end of the world as we know it hey you did you think
1: David Nassau, and you're listening to the Ninth Story Podcast.
0: So today our theme is insanity. So I'd be remiss if in dealing with the discussion topic of insanity, I didn't bring up this wonderful letter that came to me many years ago. I've had it in my possession for probably a good mm, 10, 12 years, I guess. Essentially, what it is, it's a letter that's written to a nonprofit agency that worked with homeowners who were in danger of losing their homes, uh, behind on their mortgage payments, unable to make their mortgage payments, something to that effect. And part of the qualification process for this is that you need to provide some evidence. You need to provide obviously proof that you are delinquent, so bank letters, etc. And then you need to provide financial statements. And most importantly, you have to provide a letter of circumstances, which explains why did you become delinquent on your mortgage and why are you unable to, at this time, take care of the matter on your own. I'll leave the name of the individual that prepared this letter out of it, but it's just a great read. The way that this is written, it's truth is stranger than fiction, and I don't think that you can make this shit up. So without further ado, I'm going to read to you the letter of circumstances I have become delinquent on my mortgage because I have been a victim of several crimes. In April of 1995, I left a key to my house with a friend in case there would be an emergency in my absence. I planned to be away for a few days to attend the wedding of the daughter of a friend. During this time, the key was stolen by gangsters and a man accessed my home and drugged my water supply. I was unaware that anything was wrong with the water until early September. I do not have a written copy of the water test results. If you need it, ask the police department for it. I suspect that the water was drugged with LSD and Rohypnol. Never having done drugs in my life, I did not realize that anything was wrong. On the contrary, I felt pretty good. I lost some weight. I didn't have that morning stiffness that I usually had when I woke up. I attributed the lack of stiffness to my work on the hallway of my home. I removed wallpaper, washed the walls, sanded the walls, filled the cracks on the walls, and painted the walls. It was up and down the stairs and ladder for days. I drank water, too. Lots of it. In May, my mother came out for a visit. She commented on the water. She thought that it tasted better than the water she drank in Rhode Island. She was 79 years old in 1995, and she lost weight, too. By Memorial Day weekend, I had started to remove the wallpaper in the upstairs living room. The wallpaper in that room was difficult to remove. It had a metallic imprint that stuck more to the walls than the paper of the hallway did. It was a very time-consuming task. I worked on the house at night and on weekends. I had some trouble concentrating on my accounting work. I attributed it to too much energy spent working at home but never worried me for long. I kept forgetting that I was having a problem at work. When I did think about it, I thought that I needed more rest. I had a big project to work on, an audit for a nonprofit organization. The contract was for $3,300 plus or minus. It was a sure thing. I just had trouble getting it done. I kept waiting to work on it until I had my wits about me. Some days, I would start out just fine. I would get into my office and get my desk organized and just get things done. My habit was to get a tray of ice from the soda machine next door to my office and drink ice water all day. I would go across the street, get a bowl of soup, bring it back to my office and have lunch there. Then I would resume my work for as long as I could. Sometimes I would just get restless. Sometimes I felt vague, not well enough to do auditing work. I had no idea what was wrong. I was being poisoned, but I didn't know it. By the end of June, I had accumulated enough billable hours to make a progress billing to this audit client. I got a call near the end of June and was told there was a check ready for me. The timing was just fine. My insurances were due on my accounting practice, my car, my health, etc. I had my checks written out to the people I owed before I picked up that check. Now, as an aside, this is a poor accounting practice. You never write the checks until you have the money. I got the check from my client, went to the bank, went to the post office, and came home. I grabbed something to eat and trimmed the hedges. The next six hours concern a police matter. If you want information on that, you will have to ask them. I will say that I witnessed a serious crime a few days later. I think it was late... On July 2nd or early on the morning of July 3rd, a man got into my house and raped me. He drugged me. I did not recall the rape until the end of September 1995. Undrugged, I have problems remembering trauma. I have a condition called post-traumatic stress syndrome. I suppress all knowledge of bad things that happened to me until I can cope with that knowledge. In July and August, I spent six to eight hours a day trying to remember and relate to the police the things that I could about the serious crime which occurred at the end of June. I had suppressed that too, and people continued to poison me. There was really no safe place for me. At home, a man standing in my next door neighbor's yard would occasionally fire a pea shooter at me. It would contain a drug, and some thugs would kidnap me. At my office, people would stop by, spray my face with a disabling chemical, and kidnap me. I was drugged to one hospital, and then another, and then another. The people who took me there did not want me to tell the police about the crime that I witnessed. They were very firm about that. They did everything they could think of to intimidate me. One of the side effects of the Rehypnol drug is memory loss. After these kidnappings, I had no recall of what had been done. I would wake up in my bed, maybe with a vague feeling that something was wrong, but I was being drugged and the drug incapacitated me. On at least one occasion, my alarm clock rang for hours. My next-door neighbor called the police to complain about the noise. I have a vague recollection of a policeman in my bedroom, saying something to him and him turning off the alarm clock. He asked me if I was alright. I thought I was. I just needed more sleep. At the end of August, thugs started to harass me at a place I used to frequent. I stopped going out at night. I stopped going out at night. I started to buy bottled water and I used it for drinking. My accounting work was not getting done because I was spending so much time writing down the information that I had about the crime that I witnessed. I started to withdraw money from my IRA accounts. I felt that helping the police with the things I knew about the crime was important. I knew it was cutting into my accounting work time, but I felt a civic duty to report what I knew. I felt like it was important enough to take money out of my retirement account. I needed money to pay my bills. I thought that I had been a witness to one crime. I didn't realize then I was a victim and was continuing to be a victim of other crimes. The crime I witnessed happened because gangsters wanted to me to... The, th- the crime I witnessed happened because gangsters wanted to become... A... The crime I witnessed happened because gangsters wanted me to become involved in their crimes. The gangsters wanted me to do something wrong so they would have a hold on me. It did not, and has not worked. I report crimes, I don't commit them. In mid-September, I let the water in my kitchen run for hours. I wanted clean water in my home. At the time, I was drinking bottled water, but I was still using tap water for cooking. I also got the locks changed on my house around that time. I thought I was safe. In October 1995, I bought bolts for my windows so they could not be opened by someone from the outside. I thought it would be a good idea to have at least a couple of windows that could be bolted while open four or five inches. It turned out to be a bad idea. It just made the gangsters find another way to kidnap me. They pumped exhaust fumes into my house. On at least one occasion, in the middle of the night, I woke up unable to breathe. I needed air. I ran to my back door and opened it so I could breathe, and I was kidnapped again. How many assaults of this kind can one person endure? These kidnappings stole my time. They hurt my psyche. They added more trauma to my life. My accounting work suffered some more. I withdrew more money from my IRA accounts to pay my bills. In October or November 1995, I realized that the gangsters who were after me were some people whom I knew when I was a child. I had more evidence to give the police. My report cards that these children had teased me by taking from me when I was 9 or 10 could still have their fingerprints on them. And I began to remember my experience of being gang-raped in a nearby town. Several prominent people were there, so I became aware that another set of enemies would be active against me. It was in my best interest to communicate to the police every scrap of evidence and memory that I could about these crimes that happened to me. The more that I tried to do that, the more other people tried to harm me. Friends of mine were bribed or otherwise convinced to harm me. And they did. I have been in a battle to identify criminals for the past 17 months. I have continued to try to do my accounting work, but I have lost some clients. I lost the audit client, the one that was $3,300 per year account because one of its board members took part in the gang rape of me which occurred in a nearby town. I lost another $2,000 per year client because of a situation related to the rape. Another client, which should have been a $5,000 per year client, couldn't come back to me because that organization had people at the gang rape of me, which occurred in that nearby town. When my life was normal, my accounting business took care of my financial needs. I seemed to be on a cycle. I would have a couple of very good years, then I would have a bad year. In the bad year, I would make an effort to get new clients, then charge them more than I did the old clients to make up for the bad year. Past 17 months have sunk me financially. My mother helped me out in June of this year with a check for $5,000. I put out requests for financial assistance to a couple of law enforcement agencies. I hope one of them comes through for me. But if they don't, I lose everything I have worked for. I started my accounting practice in the early 1980s. I have a good reputation. I have done nothing to cause these things to happen to me. I have some jewelry that I'm willing to sell, but the gangsters have gotten to the jewelers ahead of me. I would never get what these things are worth. If your agency can act as my agent and sell them for me, that would be my last option. I have put a lot of sweat equity into my house. I removed the wallpaper from the dining room, the downstairs living room, the hallway, the upstairs living room. I removed the wall-to-wall carpeting in the dining room and the living room. I stripped an antique kitchen cabinet in my kitchen. and made it look like new. I removed layers of paint from the back door and the screen door. I have made curtains for this home. I expected to live here for the rest of my life. I made a small garden in a yard that is no longer suitable for growing because of the poisoned water in my house. I don't deserve to lose my home. I could speculate about the reasons why these gangsters have continued to harass me, but I would be trying to explain the behavior of psychopaths. And I don't think that kind of behavior can be explained. can be described, but not rationalized. I am applying for the Special Emergency Home Mortgage Help, but I think that my emergency, which has lasted for 17 months, is going to continue. There are going to be court cases, and I am going to sue some of these criminals for civil damages as soon as I get one judgment against at least one of them. I should be able to use that money to support myself while the other trials go on. At least that is my hope. In the meantime, I need a substantial amount of money from an outside source to get on even keel again. I mentioned before that I have requested this kind of assistance from law enforcement agencies. I have tried to comply with your criteria for a letter of circumstances a detailed explanation of why I am delinquent in my mortgage payments. In one sentence, I can say I have no money because gangsters have destroyed my life. Because of the amount of time that I have spent providing information to the police, my accounting practice has suffered and I have lost clients because some of them are connected to bad people. I do need and deserve financial help. If this program can assist me, I would be very grateful." Okay, so this letter was written in the end of the year of 1996, and I guess that a few months has gone by. Uh, There's been no response. She decided to write a more terse and firm letter of circumstances, also titled, Letter of Circumstances. I have become delinquent on my mortgage because I have been a victim of several crimes, which were explained in the first Letter of Circumstances, which was dated December 1996. Since that letter was ignored, I will be more specific. I was kidnapped and then gang-raped on a boat in August of 1994. I was kidnapped to the Oklahoma City bombing around April 18th of 1995. On July 2nd or 3rd, 1995, I was raped in my home, and my assailant has not been charged with a crime. Around July 24th to 30th, 1995, I was kidnapped and gang raped at a freak show in a nearby town, which has been going on for the past 20 years. The reason that I have been victimized is because I have information about criminal activity that began 20 years ago. The crime which I was victimized, the crimes in which I was victimized in 1994 and 1995 were committed in an effort to intimidate me. I used all of my life savings in 1995 to survive the aftermath of these crimes. That is why I cannot pay my bills. I expect to receive an enormous check from the IRS within the next three years. It will be my reward for turning in the thugs who have mishandled a trust fund, which was set up for me when I was a little girl. I was the girl who inspired the Barbie doll's success. I should be worth a fortune If I survive the crime wave, those are my circumstances. I need financial assistance now. Your program is supposed to provide assistance. I suggest you do your job. And that's the end. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us for episode eight. We'll see you back again for episode nine. And don't forget, we have Nelson Piles, author of Demons, Dolls, and Milkshakes, coming up very soon. Check us out on Twitter at at Story follow us on Facebook and look for us on the web at ninthstory.com Thanks a lot and we'll see you next time You've been listening to the ninth story podcast a hicks fabulous production.
1: Break it.